Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. I'm, of course, wearing uh, some good old-fashioned classic orange and white as my Tennessee Volunteers. Sky's falling in Knoxville. Vols lost three of four. I'm talking about men's basketball, obviously. Football's long, long over. At least four win the SEC next year. Point being... Lost back-to-back games on buzzer-beating threes, and everybody's panicking. I says, hang on, hang on a minute. We got number one Alabama coming into town. If I know anything about Alabama coming to Tennessee in, you know, within the last calendar year, uh, it, it, it tends to go well. It, it, it tends to end well for, for the Big Orange, uh, you know, in case, in case you needed this reminder. Chase McGrath for the win for the Volunteers. From 40. On the way, a knuckleball. He got it! That's how it typically tends to go, okay? In Knoxville, when, when the Alabama Crimson Tide comes to visit. We're not going to talk about that today, though. just want to support my guys. We're going on a March Madness run. You know that, right? But we seriously, we do have a great show for you guys tonight. I'm looking forward to our last segment on the show. Uh, so before the playoffs started, I did my NFL playoff weaknesses. So the 14 teams that were in the playoffs... What was their biggest weakness uh, coming in that would that would basically get them eliminated? Obviously, Kansas City's out of that because they are the Super Bowl champions, so they didn't get eliminated. All the other 13 teams that got in, they had a big weakness. Was that weakness the one, or the biggest one, I should say, because there's many reasons you lose a playoff game. Was that weakness the biggest one that got them kicked out of the playoffs? I looked over it. I did pretty well. I'll get to that at the end of the show. Much better than I did last year. I also talk Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of Aaron Rodgers Jets rumors, and while on the field, it could work. I think what will happen off the field, particularly in the locker room, and certainly in his dealings with the media, it could prove to be a disaster. I'll get to that later on the show. Uh, the NFL boycott. Remember that? I'll get to that later in the show as well. And uh, Patrick Mahomes, Steph Curry, they've, they've been compared to each other really since Mahomes came into the NFL and threw 50 touchdowns his first year and won an MVP his first year as a starter. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to getting to that as well uh, in my second segment. 
Uh, we do have a comment. Patrick Brown. Patrick Brown's not even a Vols fan, and even he had to say, go Vols. Well, I appreciate the love, Patrick. I appreciate uh, the love coming in the comments. Like I said, everybody is free to comment uh, whatever they please. But, you know, I got to start with a guy. I always say there's three quarterbacks in the NFL. I say this all the time, every chance I get, that are the most overhated, overcriticized, and underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. And that is Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, and Derek Carr. We're talking to talk about Derek Carr today, who today is, well, he's a man without a country. He was released by the Las Vegas Raiders earlier this week. So he is a free agent. He is free to decide where he wants to go. Now, there's plenty of suitors. Uh, the Saints, there was, you know, a, a, a trade that didn't go through. I think I was actually talking to a buddy of mine about this the other day, and he made the point that, hey, maybe the Saints are saying, you know, if Derek was is going to join us, possibly in free agency, why would we give up anything to get him? And from Derek Carr's perspective, because he had a no trade clause, he could say, I could still join New Orleans. I don't want them to lose pieces in order to get me. So the Saints are in the picture. The Carolina Panthers, oh, what a fit that would be with Frank Reich and those weapons. They are a possible uh, destination for Derek Carr. I'm going to keep floating the San Francisco 49ers until proven otherwise, because, man, there's, there's a lot of guys... But they've got, they got Lance. They've got, obviously, Purdy is not going to be available this year with the UCL injury. They don't know what they're going to do with that stacked roster. What better guy to plug into that situation than Derek Carr? We'll talk over the coming shows, weeks, certainly as free agency officially approaches, as to who Derek Carr is best suited for and where he will end up playing uh, next after a nine-year career with the Raiders. But let's focus on the Raiders, shall we? So they released Derek Carr. Uh, they are going to be, without question, in organizational purgatory. They have a head coach that I do not like at all in Josh McDaniels. He's a solid offensive coordinator, although how hard is it to be that when you have the greatest quarterback ever? You've got a horrible defense, a defense that since Derek Carr joined in 2014, when you were paying him nothing and then we were paying him around $40 million, you really did nothing to address. Your draft picks flunked. Even some free agent signings such as uh, Chandler Jones didn't pan out. I mean, Chandler Jones had that one crazy play against the Patriots. That was about all he did. Max Crosby is one of the few guys that's actually panned out for the Raiders in terms of guys they brought in the building to try and shore up that defense. They brought in different coordinators. They brought in different head coaches. They've gone aggressive offensively in free agency with Devontae Adams. And, uh, you know, obviously they drafted Darren Waller. Hunter Renfro was a good pickup. Raiders do offense pretty well. Josh Jacobs had a great year. We'll see if they can bring him back. But the offensive line was a roller coaster. It was great in 2016. And by the way, that year, Derek Carr was in the MVP running. And even when it was average to below that, you know, he got them to the playoffs in 2021. And it's incredible. I, I will repeat the things that I said about Derek Carr when he was benched by the Raiders, which basically ended his time uh, in Vegas slash Oakland. I don't I don't think matter of fact I I know there's no quarterback in the NFL. And there's quarterbacks in the league that has have, have had to deal with dysfunctional organizations around them. On and off the field in the locker room in the front office none more than Derek Carr. You consider all the head coaches I think I think it was six or seven head coaches, just as many OCs, just as many offensive coordinators. The one coach that hey actually, you know, might have panned out pretty well for the Raiders. Remember, Rich Bisaccia had never been a head coach in his life. But John Gruden gets fired after the controversy, one of many Derek Carr to deal with, along with Antonio Brown, among other things. 
Rich Passaccia comes in the middle of the 2021 season, helps the Raiders get to the playoffs, obviously with Derek Carr's fantastic play. People in the building were like, hey, bring him back. But they said, no, we are going to go after the, the, the flashy candidate, the guy who everybody's been going after. But for some odd reason, they won't hire Josh McDaniels. And we saw how that panned out for the Raiders last year, despite adding Devontae Adams. Coaching matters. Structure matters. Having a little bit of cap space certainly matters. And Derek Carr, while he was making about $40 million a year, if you look at the terms of his contract, it was a very team-friendly deal. If nothing else, it was a it was a reward by the Raiders. Well, the few good things they did when Derek Carr was there. For essentially, thanks for carrying us in 2021 when we fired our coach after a controversy. Uh, a wide receiver we had, Henry Ruggs, was responsible for the tragic death of a woman, I think her dog, if I'm not mistaken. You have Damon Arnett, who's waving around guns in in social media videos, talk about what he's going to do. They release him. You have other guys who are arrested for DUIs during the season. You're six and seven. You have a horrible defense. You play in one of the toughest divisions in the NFL. Hey, Derek Carr, get us to the playoffs. And that is exactly what he did. Matter of fact, two of those last four games, he won on game-winning drives in the fourth quarter. Including that crazy game against the Los Angeles Chargers. Win against Justin Herbert, who we all agree, myself included, is the better quarterback. The Chargers had the better roster. It was the Raiders who pulled out. Now we could say, hey, Brandon Staley has something to do with that, and you certainly would have a, a very strong case to make in that regard. Be that as it may, got him to the playoffs and against the eventual AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals on the road. Was five yards away from a tying touchdown when the Raiders would not let him take a shot to the end zone. That essentially sums up Derek Carr's time in Vegas. It's been chaotic. It's been up and down. But he's been the one guy that's always been steady. It was back page news when he had the audacity to get emotional after a very frustrating loss to the Indianapolis Colts. If you remember, that was... Jeff Saturday's first ever game as the interim coach of the Colts. And we saw, how, we saw how disastrous that was. Colts didn't win a game after that one. And Derek Carr's like, I put in everything I have. Teammates put in everything I have. And it's frustrating to not see it come out to wins because some people aren't doing their jobs. And yet some, and the Raiders have a great fan base, but some in Raider Nation put the blame on number four. We'll see how you like it with Jarrett Stidham or wherever. Maybe they draft somebody. Maybe they go and get Aaron Rodgers. And they could maybe get to the playoffs, although I'm not all that convinced of that. It'll be short-lived, and you'll be back where you've been for the last two decades, which is irrelevant. As for Derek Carr, you talk about a guy who's consistently in the upper echelon, the passer ratings and QBRs, leadership. Not that many quarterbacks that would take above him in that department. He's got a very good arm. He's accurate. He's mobile enough, although I would not I wouldn't consider him a guy like a like a Jalen Hurts by any stretch of the imagination, or even a guy who was formerly in his division, Patrick Mahomes. We get mad at Derek Carr for not winning a division with Patrick Mahomes. And now Justin Herbert. We're putting it all on Derek Carr. Good luck, Vegas. 
Got a beautiful stadium. I mean, that place is going to host next year's Super Bowl. That play, I mean, Vegas is a great city. You know, I have always liked the Raiders uniforms, and we'll see how that goes without uh, without Mr. Carr. Excited to see where he lands. If he goes to the NFC South, maybe Tampa Bay is a possibility. Right? They've got weapons. The defense could use some improvement, but it's solid. It's certainly better than what he had in Vegas. I'd take Todd Bowles as a coach over Josh McDaniels. And Todd Bowles, I didn't, ha- I didn't think he had a very good year. He had better than you, Josh McDaniels. With less weapons. Yeah. Best wishes for Derek Carr because uh, I think we're about to see the very best of him moving forward. Patrick Brown says, the Niners will be an ideal team for Derek Carr. Coaching roster, it's a match made in football heaven. Hashtag Derek Carr to the Bay. It should be hashtag Derek Carr back to the Bay because he played in Oakland for a few years. So there's a familiarity there. Again, Derek is a West Coast guy. He went to Fresno State. Obviously played in Oakland slash Vegas with the Raiders. I, I can't. I, I, I'm with you, Patrick. I think it's a match made in football heaven. I think it works. And he says, give Derek Carr, Kyle Shanahan. The Niners can be the NFC favorite. A change of senior is needed. If I'm John Lynch, they should seriously consider making a move. Agreed. Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast says, Carr is free in all caps. That is that, that Barry and I seem to be, and Patrick as well, we seem to be in the minority of guys that actually like Derek Carr. Again, just ask yourself. Who, what, whatever, if we got a fan from all 32 teams, would you, as a fan, take Derek Carr over your current starter? There's not many that wouldn't. Obviously, Kansas City wouldn't. Philadelphia wouldn't. Jalen Hurts looks really good. Um, I don't think the Chargers would with, with Justin Herbert. The, the Jaguars wouldn't with Trevor Lawrence. The Bills wouldn't with Josh Allen. Uh, the Bengals wouldn't with Burrow. Um, the Niners would. I'm sorry, the Packers would. Did you see Aaron Rodgers this past year? Failed to have a single 300-yard game. Not to mention, he's not even close to committed as football as Derek Carr. He's more committed to four-day darkness retreats, which I'll get to later in the show. I'm looking at the rest of the NFC. I'd take Dak over Carr, but not by much. I've always said Dak and Carr are like, I mean, like that. Um, And some, some people look at that as a negative. I look at it as a positive, but... You know, it is what it is. And uh, Patrick says, Derek Carr spoke the truth. Their fans got mad. He stood before the media and showed vulnerability, yet he was disrespected by the organization. All the bull jive, he kept them afloat all these seasons. And that's what uh, that's what the Raiders are about to find out very, very soon. That, listen, you can, uh, a wise man once said, don't try to get happier than happy. I don't know if the Raiders were ever truly happy with Carr. If they weren't, that's their fault. But uh, we're about to see what he does with, with with another team. Obviously, the Jets are a possibility. I would, listen, if I'm the Jets, I'm taking them over Aaron Rodgers. By the way, you don't have to give up anything. You'd have to give up something to get Aaron Rodgers. you got to trade draft picks. You may have to trade some starters. You don't have to give up anything to get Derek Carr. And you've got a lot of cap space. And you've drafted incredibly well under Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas has done a great job as the general manager of the Jets. They just can't find the quarterback. Woohoo! He's right, right there. I love Lamar Jackson. I'd take him over Derek Carr, but the only thing that worries me about Lamar is his health. Last two seasons, he's ended injured. So, again, there, 
There's not many teams. I'd say what a, th- a third of the league max would no doubt about it take their guy over Derek Carr. They would not if present the opportunity to just swap quarterbacks, which that's impossible. But let's just say for the sake it was, they wouldn't. But talks about the interceptions. But uh, again, I'll pull up the graphic. It was it was made primarily for Dak, but I can use this for Carr too. Quarterbacks throw picks. Good quarterbacks throw picks. Allen throws double digits. So does uh, so does uh, Mahomes and Lawrence and Lamar and Burrow and Herbert and a lot of guys through double digit interceptions. It just comes with territory. If you're mad at the picks, I don't think that's um, I don't think that's uh, the place to to go after in terms of your anger. Barry says I almost. <laughs> I almost spit up my juice trying to convince myself McDaniels knows what he's doing. He doesn't. We've got two We got two, two pieces of evidence. Denver was so much of a disaster, they fired him for cheating. And then, which by the way, he wasn't good to begin with. It was, you know, if nothing else, it might have been kind of like the Donald Sterling thing with the Clippers. The NBA had been looking to remove Donald Sterling for years. And then once he had that abhorrent tape that came out, they're like, okay, let's get him out of here. Uh, maybe that might, obviously it wasn't like a, a racial thing, obviously with McDaniels in terms of what he got in trouble for, but it was kind of their opportunity. Okay, let's get him out of here. And they hired John Fox and they were very good under John Fox. Uh, and Patrick asked a question that I, a lot of people have been asking Josh McDaniels. What has he done without Tom Brady? Asked the same about a lot of coordinators under Tom Brady. It's kind of what I was talking about at the end of the show yesterday. Andy Reid's coordinators, compare them to Belichick's coordinators. How successful have the two been as head coaches? I, I, there's a lot of people talking about Eric Bieniemy. I'm going to get that on tomorrow's show. I look forward to detailing that. Uh, it's it's the strangest. You know what? It's not that strange when you consider how the NFL ownership groups treats their black coaches, but it's it is unbelievable. I've got some numbers behind it that are just truly mind-boggling, but I'll save that for tomorrow's show. Let's talk about the Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs, who had their parade yesterday, had a good time. I, I hear so many people, and it's not just a Chief, it's not personal to the Chiefs or whoever the champion is. This happens every year. That when the champions get to celebrating, and they're, you know, this happens in Boston a lot. If like the fans are like tossing some uh some Coors lights up to the the the, the parade uh, floats, and they're you know they're drinking them down. And Mahomes was absolutely wasted at the party. Kelsey, I couldn't tell if he was because that's that's just how he always is. Uh, not drunk, obviously. He's just you know he's a big personality. But the Chiefs are having fun. People are like ah, come on, yeah, why, why are they they're the champions? They can do whatever they want. They can say whatever they want. So I said about the Warriors last year. That Warriors championship parade last year made my heart sing because it was. Three years of pent up being pissed off at the world and everybody saying oh, the dynasty's over and all that. And, and Golden State's like, okay, they channel that, win the championship, and at the parade, you get the right to be insufferable because you're the last team standing. There's no more games. You won the last game of the year. You're the, the ones holding the trophy. So everybody that's whining, complaining about Kansas City's parade, stop it. They have every right to do that. Um, but a lot of people, and this isn't just a, a 2023 thing. This has been going for a few years now, and I don't have an issue with it. Because, uh, again, obviously, as I mentioned, I'm a Warriors fan, but there's been a lot of comparisons between Patrick Mahomes and Steph Curry in terms of how they play their respective games. And I think as it pertains to how they play, 
sort of the flair, the excitement, doing things that we've never seen before, I think they're very similar. I think when you talk about being drafted to organizations, look, the Chiefs were successful. They got to the playoffs with Alex Smith, but they went to a whole new level with Patrick Mahomes, as we're all obviously aware of. Now, Steph Curry, on the other hand, he inherited garbage when he was drafted in 2009. He inherited a team that had made the playoffs once over the last 17 years. And obviously, they got to their first playoff appearance in 2013. But people, I, I saw this, I think it was on first take the other day. And I was like, this is, this is, this is lunacy. Who's more influential to their games, to their leagues, rather? Patrick Mahomes to the NFL or Steph to the NBA. I'm like, the fact that we were, we're even having this discussion, either it's to fill TV time, which it's not, we're not that far into the offseason where we're just making up weird arguments. It's ridiculous. And this is not to take shots at Mahomes. This is not to take shots at Mahomes. It's really actually to take shots at this question. It's Steph Curry, and it's not even a discussion. Maybe 10 years down the road, the quarterback position will look a lot different as it pertains to other quarterbacks coming in playing like Mahomes. But I'm sorry. I look around the football world, I see one quarterback that plays like Patrick Mahomes, and he doesn't play in the NFL. He's still in college. Caleb Williams with USC. I mean, if, if, listen, if, the, if, if Caleb Williams were, were eligible for this year's draft, he'd be the unquestioned, no doubt about it, number one pick. There's no question about it. He's that good. He's got everything. He's, he's very Mahomes. I say he's going to have a Mahomes-type career, but as far as how he plays the game, very Mahomes-esque. Steph Curry comes into the NBA, and it's all about the big man, the mid-range, uh, very, I should say, a more physical brand of basketball. Some of, that, some of that was the rules, and some of that was the players. And Steph Curry came in, and he said, I'm going to play to what makes me great. And a lot of credit, by the way, goes to Mark Jackson. Because Mark Jackson, the former coach of the Warriors, opened up the floodgates for not just Steph Curry, but his splash brother, Clay Thompson. And for all the other shooters that have come and gone into Golden State over the past decade. That, I don't care if you take that shot. I've seen you make it in practice. Who's to say you can't make it in the game? And obviously, you know, 3,000 plus threes later for Steph Curry, 2,000 plus threes later for Clay Thompson. You see how that's worked out. But <laughs> Steph comes in the NBA. The three-point shot was an afterthought. It was a end-of-shot clock end of quarter, or you're down three, say you're down 91-88 with five seconds left, you need a three to tie the game, you're going to put your shooter in, you're going to put your your J.J. Redick in, or whoever, whatever the case may be. And you're going to hope that they make the last shots tie the game. There were plays drawn up to get open threes, but it wasn't a, a situation where it was let, let it fly. I mean, to now where guys that can't shoot are taking threes frequently. I love LeBron James. He's an all-time leading scorer, and I proclaimed, I announced on my show last Friday, I have officially given up. He is the greatest player of all time. But that does not mean he isn't without fault. LeBron's improved his three-point shot. Why is he taking five a game? He's shooting like in the 20s in percentage. LeBron, stop taking threes. Certain other guys, Giannis, don't take any threes unless they are absolutely wide open and you need the shot. 
Even if you need the shot, maybe you could get an AM one if somebody makes a dumb decision and fouls you. I saw that at the end of a Lakers-Celtics game with Jalen Brown. Like, I mean, it, it's changed how little kids play the game. I mean, if guys go out there and try what Patrick Mahomes tries, they usually get murdered on the field by a defensive lineman. They get just destroying the pocket. Now with the NFL, some of the rules have prohibited some of that. But at the college level, the high school level, not really. I mean, you can land on the quarterback. I mean, we, we talk about rules changes. And I, again, I'm not using this to take a shot at Mahomes. But Mahomes, in part, has been a little bit of a beneficiary in terms of how the game is officiated. It's not his fault. As a matter of fact, credit to him for taking advantage of it. And it doesn't diminish his all-time status. He plays how the game is officiated and coached. But as I said 13 months ago, 14 months ago, when Steph Curry passed Ray Allen in the all-time three-point list, I said verbatim, Steph Curry has changed the way the game is played, coached, and analyzed. We view the three-point shot in a completely different light now than we did when Steph Curry came into the league. People say, well, what about the Mike D'Antoni seven seconds or less offense? If I had a dime for every time I heard that one, that changed the NBA. It didn't win any championships. Uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't near as effective, certainly in the playoffs. They get stuffed out by the Lakers, or I think the Spurs got them one year. It, Steph Curry comes in, gets the playoffs his first full healthy season after his rookie year, got there again after winning 50 games, and then the next couple of years broke through, won two MVPs, and won a championship, and got to another NBA Finals. And now everybody's like, oh, okay, that worked. If, if he can do it, well, I can do it. And some guys can. Damian Lillard can take threes just a couple steps within half court. He just did that the other night. Trey Young is capable of doing that. There's other guys who can. But I get it. But I think the notion of who's changed their game more today, maybe in the future, but today, that's not even a discussion. And this isn't a shot at Mahomes. I said, listen, it's one. Listen, and, and this is why Steph is so high on my all-time list. I've got him as the seventh greatest player ever. Because most guys that have ever played the game of basketball can truly say that they've changed the way the game is played. Like, not many. Or changed rules. Now, Steph hasn't necessarily changed rules all that much. But we view the three-point shot in a different light. We don't, we don't see quarterbacks trying no-look passes aside from Matthew Stafford, who was doing it before Mahomes. Uh, we don't see underhanded throws. Uh, we don't see quarterbacks. As I say all the time about Mahomes, he can do things that other guys simply can't do. And most guys don't even try to do. In theory, Josh Allen maybe could. Uh, Hurts possibly with his mobility could. Herbert, I guess, Rodgers in his prime. But it's not something we see often. What Steph does best, everybody's trying to copy. Everybody's trying to copy. People are trying to find the next Steph Curry. People are trying to, to emulate how Golden State plays the ball. Now they're, you know, <laughs> dare I say they're perverting it a little bit because the way Steve Kerr runs his offense is completely different than the way most teams run their offense. But it's 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 it to me, it's not even close in terms of how we uh in terms of how we view it. It's 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 crazy. Like I, I love Mahomes, but has it been more influential in the game than Steph? Absolutely not. 
Patrick Brown says the media counted out Kansas City after trading Tyree Kill and signing mid-tier players to plug on offense is Patrick Mahomes' crowning moment. Credit the mid-season moves and draft for doing their part. And like you mentioned, Patrick, the mid-season moves, the Kadarius Tony, who hadn't been much of a factor all year, but he has the 67-yard punt return, and then he catches that touchdown in the fourth quarter. Sky Moore, they drafted. Uh, a lot of the other guys who made plays, uh, McDuffie, who made a big mistake in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter, uh, I'm sorry, the second quarter against A.J. Brown, kind of mistiming where the ball was, uh, but all season long, he was great. I mean, Brett Veach, we talk about the great general managers in the NFL, Howie Roseman for the Philadelphia Eagles. There, there's a lot of guys that are really good. Let's start giving Brett, uh, uh, John Lynch has done a phenomenal job with the 49ers. Let's give some credit to Brett Veach. Dude has put together an incredible team uh, as far as the young talent is concerned. And obviously, uh, now he wasn't there when they took Patrick Mahomes. That was, uh, I think it was John Dorsey was there. And then I don't, I'm not sure what happened there. And then he went to Cleveland and kind of fizzled out. But it's uh, it, it, it's remarkable uh, in terms of how they changed the game. But uh, it, it's over again, over time. Again, you've got Caleb Williams coming to the NFL soon. Maybe you start to see the change there, but I don't know. In the long run, I I I I, I have my doubts. Um, let's see. Try, I'm trying to find the stat about Steph Curry's uh, when. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm tr- I'm trying to find the the numbers in terms of how how the game has changed as far as how many threes were taken in the 2009-10 season as opposed to now. I mean, it's it's like jarring. Let's see, do we have it? Okay. No, that's that. Okay, that's that's way that's steps. Uh, okay, no, I don't have that stat. I was trying to find it, but I, I wasn't able to to find it. Oh well. But yeah, we we, we I mean sometimes we get mad at our TVs like, guys, you're shooting too many threes. Like, and and, and it's. As a guy who loves the mid-range shots, it's let's say it's bad in terms of analytics, but it's still a in terms of makeability, it's a very efficient shot. I, I I hope it's not totally eliminated from the game. Uh Patrick says, and to think Melvin Gordon was on a bad Denver team, released midseason and got a ring being on the Chiefs roster. Patrick, I swear to you, I didn't even know Melvin Gordon was on the roster until Sunday when he posted that picture of him holding Lombardi trophy. I think he had a cigar or something. I, I had no idea. But hey. A ring is a ring. Pat, Melvin Gordon got himself a ring in division, curse, courtesy of Mahomes, Andy Reid, and uh, in a fantastic postseason performance and regular season performance all year long. But yeah, I was so I was like, Melvin Gordon's on the Chiefs. Eh, listen, I can't hate. I can't hate. Uh, a ring is a ring is a ring. But it's that's the thing about Kansas City too. That's scary. And Patrick Mahomes alluded to it. Our what do you say? Our rebuilding year in our rebuilding year, we won a championship. Like holy moly! Now, am I saying oh Kansas City's going back to back? No, listen, we got a lot of off season to determine. Is Kansas City minimum going to be back in the AFC Championship game? I am very comfortable in saying yes. I'm very. Com- I mean, again, Patrick Mahomes does not know the playoffs without not just being in the AFC Championship game, hosting the AFC Championship game. The guy has never played on the road in the playoffs in his career. Never. He's only had to play a wild card game 
once. And that was because he was the two seed back in the 2021 season when in years past, that's a first round buy. Just speaks to his greatness. He is, again, I will rank, I think on tomorrow's show, I think I'm going to do my top 10 quarterbacks of all time because I haven't done that in a while. Uh, number one's obvious. I've got Mahomes fourth. And I said that on Monday's show. His resume, what he's done the first five years, he's accomplished more in five years than some have in their entire careers. Again, the only guys that I think are clearly and obviously above Mahomes are Montana, Brady, and I'm still putting, I know some people are putting him above Manny. I think that's a little uh, premature. Manny's got five MVPs, but I'm sorry. that's He's close. Now, is he going to pass Brady? That's a tall task, but I don't necessarily think he needs seven rings to do so. I mean, LeBron doesn't need four rings to pass Michael, and Michael doesn't even have the most rings. Bill Russell does. Kareem has as many rings and more MVPs than Michael. So what's the case I always make? Like, Mahomes doesn't necessarily need seven. But as Grady Edwards has pointed out to me on uh, the, the last couple of weeks, and I never thought about this until he said it, what may be the deciding factor is Brady played Mahomes twice in the playoffs and outplayed him twice and beat him twice. Now, I'm not going to hold the second one too much against Mahomes because he had no offensive line and was running for his life out there. But Brady still won the game. Patrick says, Mahomes is on a team-friendly contract. The $45 million per year will be outside the top 10. Once Burrow and Herbert plus Lamar get their bags, there's no reason Kansas City keep this going. And Hurts, by the way, Patrick Brown, because Hurts has talked about, you know, they'll, they'll now's not the time, but they'll negotiate soon. So like you said, Burrow and Herbert are going to get in excess of 50. Lamar is probably going to get that either next this year or next year. Same with Jalen Hurts. I mean, Allen's making more than Mahomes. Deshaun Watson's making more than Mahomes. Rodgers is making more than Mahomes. Who else? Kyler Murray's making more than Mahomes. So if you add those four along with the guys that are going to get paid, Russell Wilson makes... So we're talking like not... Mahomes will be like in a year, the 10th highest paid quarterback in football. Think about that. <laughs> that's that's crazy. But that, it's, a, it's a little Tom Brady-esque. Listen, I respect it. Uh, everybody freaking, I, I'm sorry, I got to bring Dak into this, but it's it's just the facts of the facts. Everybody lost their marbles. 40 million a year. Yeah, in a year, Dak's going to be like the 15th highest paid quarterback. Do you think Dak's the 15th best? Do you think Mahomes is the 10th best? It's whatever the market is. Just because Aaron Rodgers is making the most does not make him the best. Just because Mahomes will be the ninth or 10th highest paid does not mean he's obviously the ninth or 10th best quarterback. Whatever the market says. That goes for any position. Any position. So let's, let's, we, we freak out every time somebody gets paid. The market will correct itself. It, it does every, it just goes up every year. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So let's 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 not let's not lose our marbles here. Uh, okay, I've been looking forward to getting into this. I really have. Uh, you know, I I try to always be fair. I, I think I do a solid job of that on my show. 
Um, and I try to come at it from a point of view that is respectful. I think it's very important anytime we're having discussions about sports or otherwise. And that's 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 always the goal. It's always the goal when I, I, I do this show. But here at Carving It Up Live, we keep receipts. If you don't believe me, just you need no more evidence than our June, the June 17th, 2022 show, the day after my Warriors won the championship and proved the whole NBA world wrong, that the dynasty was over and yada, yada, yada. Watch the opening of that show. We kept receipts. Um, <laughs> remember about, gosh, see, it's 2023, so six and a half years ago. Remember when Colin Kaepernick took a knee during the national anthem? And there's there's a divisive issue. Some were for it. Some were against it. I'm not here to discuss that today. I'm just telling you the facts. He took a knee during the national anthem. But at that time, I remember so vividly, so vividly, a big old portion, at least it felt that way. Maybe I'm overestimating this, but a portion of the population here in this amazing country said, that's it. I am done watching the NFL. I uh, one man's act, and others followed. By the way, Colin was not the only one. He started the movement. Others took part as well for other teams. But because of this, I will never watch the NFL again. And then two and a half years ago, when players became very outspoken about certain social issues and political issues, oh, because the NFL is. Going woke, which by the way, can I just go ahead and say it right right off the bat? The way that both the left and the right distort the word woke, a simple Google search will tell you what the word actually means and not what you hear on, on Fox News and CNN and all these. It's BS what, 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 what the Democrats and the Republicans define as woke. I rest my case. Point being, everybody's done with the NFL. And they used the ratings back in 2016 and back in 2020 to back up their evidence. See, nobody is watching. Well, I mean, in 2016, the ratings went down. The, the, in 2015, the average NFL game was watched by 18 million people. 2016, it was 16 and a half million people. Okay, there might be something to that. And in 2020, the NFL ratings went down from 16.5 million per game watching to 14.9 million watching per game. But I said at the time, you can check the tape. I've been doing Carving It Up Live since October of 2019, so I talked about this issue in 2020. I said, everybody's freaking out. The NFL ratings are going to go back up. And when they did, and we've got the, we've got the evidence for it, I'm about to show in just a second on a graphic, but once it goes back up, once the next, once 2024 rolls around, they are going to come back down and a certain segment of the population is going to find another excuse for why they went down that has absolutely nothing to do with the reason that they actually went down. Dumb question, but a rhetorical question, rather. rather. What does 2016, what does 2020, what do those two years have in common? Just take your time. 
We had a presidential election in November of both years. And as I've said over and over and over on this show, when an election happens, the ratings for not just sports, because sports are the highest ratings on television, particularly football, particularly the NFL, who's the king of television, but all entertainment, they come down. Why is that? Well, we want to know who our leader for the next four years are going to be, so we tune into the cable news networks, right? I mean, you see, you, again, the Foxes, the CNNs, the MSNBC, all of these networks, they go up in ratings because people are tuning in. They want, especially the debates, the debates, you know, people are going to tune into those. Want to see what's going on, who the next leader is going to be, or at least if, if the current leader is going to be in another four years, if we're going to have a new leader. What such folks say about, oh, the NFL, we're going to boycott the NFL. First of all, they're lying. If you are a longtime football fan, lifelong football fan, and you just off of one man's act or in 2020, a lot of people's acts said, okay, that's it. I'm done with the NFL. Uh, you're lying. If you actually did boycott the NFL, well, you were probably never a big fan to begin with. Let's look at the ratings from 2011 to 2022. And I'll, I'll get through these pretty fast. I, I don't want to waste y'all's time. But in 2011, the average NFL game was watched by almost 20 million people. In 2012, <clears throat> election year, it was watched by 19.3 million people. And it went down, actually, in 2013 to 16.7 million people. But then it climbed back up to 17 million and then up to 18 million. And then 2016, it goes down to 16 and a half million. That was the year everybody, it was all about Kaepernick. It was all about the kneeling, whatnot. And it actually comes down in 2017, similar to how it did in 2013 to 15 million. But then it comes up in 2018 to about 16 mil. And stays, it actually goes up to 16.5 mil in 2019. And then it comes down in 2020 to 14.9 million. And then it climbs back up in 2021 to 17 million. Drops just a hair, but about the same in 2022 at 16.7 million. Let's also look at the Super Bowls. And the reason I'm even doing this segment is because I saw the ratings for the Super Bowl just like everybody else did. 2012, and this is, again, this is pre-election. This is the 2011 season, February of 2012. 112 million watched the Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Giants. The following year, 2013, 109 million people watched the Super Bowl between the Ravens and the 49ers. But then it came up in 2014 to 113 mil, and then back up again in 2015, 116 mil. 2016, 114 mil. And then 2017, following the election between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, it stayed stagnant at 14 mil. And then went it up to 118 mil and came down quite significantly to 112 mil in 2019, but went back up in 2020, early 2020 to 113. And then 2021, it, oh, it came down a lot to 100 million following the Donald Trump, Joe Biden election. But then it went back up to 112 million in 2022 last year between the Rams, the Bengals, and then up again this year. 113 million people watched the Super Bowl. That obviously doesn't account for all of the uh, Super Bowl parties. I mean, you see some of these parties, it's 20, 30 people. Hotel rooms don't count for ratings. You say, well, it's, you know, it's, it's a little, uh, you know, could it be described by something else? Streaming. 
It's the most streamed Super Bowl ever. People are watching on their phones. People are watching their computers. That does not count towards ratings, but they do count those anyway. Just here to warn you. We had the third highest rated television event of all time if you include streaming. That boycotting thing's really working, isn't it? But I'm here to warn you, in a year and a half, we will have another election. Not sure who the nominees are going to be, although I'm, like everybody else, very fascinated to see from both sides who it's going to be. But they'll have another excuse. Something that has to do with the NFL. The N Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. NFL is, is coming down. It's funny. 2012, there, there was no protests. There was no very, very few athletes were outspoken about issues going on in the world, and yet the ratings still came down from 2011. Similar to how 2016 came down from 2015, 2020 came down from 2019. And in 2024, they will come down from this upcoming season, 2023. Why is that? Well, good chance we're going to have two very notable candidates. Not sure they're going to be. Not sure if the current president's going to run. Not sure if they're going to replace him with another, uh, you know, up and coming person in the party. Not sure if the, you know, the old guy from the Republican Party is going to be uh, their nominee this year. If another, I have no idea. I'm very excited to see. It's going to be entertaining to say the least. I'm not sure I necessarily want it to be that way, but that's what it is. And we're all going to tune into all these political networks. We're all going to tune in. If you lean left, you're going to turn into. Tune into MSNBC. If you lean right, you're going to tune to Fox News. Although I would encourage both sides to tune into the opposite networks, see what the other side has to say, be that as it may. NFL's not going anywhere. You and your little boycott posts and you're burning your jersey. It's cute, but it's not going anywhere. It's not going to make any impact. NFL's the king of television. That's not going to change, and it never will. Certainly not for a silly boycott over a player you don't like. Or a group of players you don't like. I rest my case. Let's see. Patrick Brown says 2019 was a step in the right direction. As far as the NFL finally uh, opening their ears and listening. 2020, everything came full surface. Players reverted back to what Colin's stance, Colin Kaepernick's stance uh, was about. I mean, that, that was certainly more of an understanding without a question. I think there was, but again, we can, I, I, I've, I think I've been pretty clear about what my view of it is. Like he's, whether you agree or disagree, he's got the right to peacefully protest. I mean, even the most staunchest people who said, ah, it's, we don't like they did it, would at least have to agree. He's got the right to do it. Um, But a boycott's not going to do anything. I, you, you have no idea how many times, even to this day, I see on social media, an athlete does something somebody doesn't like, and they tweet, ah, I have watched my last NFL game. When you actually quit something 
When you stop watching something, you just stop watching it. You know, if, if there's an award show I'm watching, um, not to take shots at anybody because, like, this year's Grammys was amazing. Last year's was kind of boring. I turned it off. I didn't go to Twitter. I have officially stopped watching the Grammys. Nobody cares. <laughs> nope. And by the way, I came back and watched the next. It's it's silly. It, it really is. And it, it, it always, I get a kick out of it. It's going to happen. I said this two years ago, and I still hold true to it today. The ratings in 2024, when the 2024 NFL season comes up, that's a long time away. But when it comes, the ratings will go down. But people are going to watch the following season and the next few seasons. They'll come back down again in 28, and the cycle will just continue. It's, it's just the way it is. The NFL is the king of television, and that is never going to change. NBA can try. MLB can try. NHL can try. College football's made an admirable effort. March Madness has. It's still, it's it's not close. The sense of urgency. I think the NFL, I think parody is a, a good thing in the NFL. I think it's a terrible thing for the NBA. Um, I think when you have a, I think the ratings bear it out in the NBA that when you have a dominant team, you have a David Goliath type feel, the ratings are, you know, they go up. They need somebody to root against. We don't really have any, anybody to root against. I mean, I root against the Memphis Grizzlies. I can't stand them. I think they talk too much for a team that's done absolutely nothing. But there's not a team that the whole, most of the country, oh, I can't stand them, like the Patriots for years in the NFL, or the Warriors when they were overwhelming with Kevin Durant, or the Cavs when they kept getting the finals. But we'll see. Patrick says, if you remember how the 2020 season started, every major NFL pregame show had their panels saying they're sorry for missing the message. Yeah, I, I remember that. And I remember too, when I think Roger Goodell made a video talking about, Hey, I, I missed it. You know, I, I, I didn't listen to what he was actually saying. And obviously that this was following George Floyd. This, uh, Brianna Taylor, her name was, was being, uh, was being uplifted in, um, in the streets of America wanting to get justice for her. So yeah, I, I do think the NFL, you know, sort of changed its course. I don't know if the owners have, but I think the league's league execs. Yeah. I think they got it after a while. Certainly at least they said they did. I hope so. But again, the NFL, I mean, I think end racism is on the back of one end zone. I think it takes all of us is on the other end. People, you know, which at that point, if you're against, <laughs> at that point, if you're against those messages, you know, you you really need to start. You, you might need to see a therapist or something, or, uh, or 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 talk to the good Lord, or one of the two, or both. But yeah, I, I just, I, I really, I I can't tell you how many people I've met, uh, even in my personal life, not not family or anything, but people I've I've talked to, and anytime the NFL comes up, it's always negative, and I'm not, I'm done watching, and then they talk to me. Days later, hey, did you see? I'm like, I thought you, you come on, man. You told me what are you gonna watch? Yeah, if you'd have told me you wouldn't go, if, if you're you were gonna watch this, I'd have watched it with you. Anyways, I just had to get get that out of the way because I just saw that I saw the Super Bowl's ratings, 113 million people watched. I was like, oh, a lot of people watched. That's 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 a lot of people. But anyways, let's move on to a guy who. Definitely draws people to a television, and it's not just when he's playing, it's when he's talking. That's Aaron Rodgers. Well, of course, you're, you, you're probably, if you see what Aaron Rodgers says in terms of Pat McAfee show appearances or after games, you're probably watching that on your phone. It's, it's on uh, Instagram, it's on social media, 
But Aaron Rodgers always has something to say. So I don't, I'm not aware if this darkness retreat started recently, if he's going to start it. Uh, to my knowledge, he's going to be submerged in complete darkness for four straight days, no technology, which, look, teach their own. If that's the way Aaron Rodgers has to clear his head, then, you know, go for it. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, speak against that. What I will say is this. Here's what bothers me about Aaron Rodgers. And it's the same thing that bothers me about Kyrie Irving. When athletes, whether they take controversial stances, whether they go against the grain on and off the field, that's their right to do so. But when people speak against this and get all defensive, or you know, when people speak uh, against it, like, hey, why are you doing this? And they act like they're the smartest person in the room, which Aaron Rodgers is the king of doing that. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's where I have an issue. An issue. Again, I talk about, again, I, I'm, I'm really trying not to get like horribly, you know, like political or anything. But, you know, a year and a half ago when the whole vaccine thing came up, there were athletes that came up. Cole Beasley is like probably the poster child for this. Cole Beasley came up. I am not getting vaccinated. Okay, it's his right to do so. Aaron Rodgers, I'm immunized. He's trying to be slick. He's trying to, and he lied. The Packers lied as well. They, 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 they covered him up as well. But he was asked on, I believe it was the Pat McAfee show, which he appears every Tuesday about this whole darkness retreat and, 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 and people talking about his future with the Packers. And he got really defensive. We'll go watch the clip on YouTube. The guy was like very testy for a guy that's trying to clear his mind. And I'm like, dude, I'm not just talking about the McAfee show. I'm talking about his post-game press, press conferences in Green Bay. He got testy with people with the Packers. Who, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not taking shots of the Green Bay media. They kind of have to be, you know, they kind of have to throw softball questions to players and coaches. They Again, I'm not blaming them. They kind of have to because that's all Green Bay has. All Green Bay's got the Packers. Now, Milwaukee's got the Brewers and the Bucks, but it's not in, in small town Green Bay, which is, again, the Packers are, I'd say, the, the city's primary source of income. I, that's, that's just a guess. I could be wrong about that, but talk about the money that they generate with with people traveling to the games and ticket sales at Lambeau and these Nash, big national TV games on NBC and CBS and Fox and now Amazon ESPN like it's 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 football's big there and they don't want to necessarily drive their their guys out of Green Bay I get it New York Los Angeles Philadelphia Boston um Dallas they <laughs> What we we we're not we're not gonna lose if we lose this athlete, man. People still gonna talk about the Yankees and the Lakers, and everybody's gonna be talking about these teams. Everybody's gonna be talking about the Cowboys. Like that's that that's just the way it goes. The Packers, they're an iconic brand, but I don't know. You remember a whole lot of Green Bay Packer highlights from the seventies and eighties? Listen, I, I I would not call myself an NFL historical expert, but I know my NFL history. 
Uh, didn't see a whole lot of Packers on those Super Bowl tapes or those playoff tapes in the six in the 70s and 80s. In between those two first two Super Bowls, they won the first two Super Bowls with Bart Starr, Vince Lombardi, all the way up until Brett Favre got there and they won that Super Bowl in the mid-90s and he won all those MVPs. In between that, they were irrelevant. And so they're, they want to keep Aaron Rodgers there. Aaron Rodgers gives them more press, more publicity. All publicity is good publicity, as one said. But my takeaway from this whole situation is this. If Aaron's getting defensive with the Green Bay media, who caters to him like, I mean, Oklahoma City with KD and Westbrook is the only comparison I can think of because Oklahoma City doesn't have another professional team. Thunder's all they got. They don't want to drive KD or Westbrook out of town. How in God's name is he going to handle the New York media? We're still going to talk. We talk about the Jets now with no Aaron Rodgers. So we'll talk about them that much more if they get him. But if he lasts a year and gets out of there, we're still going to talk about the Jets. Why they're in New York. It's the media. It's, it's the biggest media market in, in, in the country. I just think it's, again, on the field, it's an odd fit because he's 39. Obviously, we know what his, his limitations as it pertains to leadership. That's been well documented over the course of his career. But in Green Bay, he kind of gets, of course, he has a living Green Bay in the offseason, but during the season, he kind of gets to hide a little bit. There's no hiding in New York. Okay, there's it's it's a city that never sleeps. You you go, the press is all over you. Maybe not what it used to be because we got, now we have social media. We got phones on our cameras as opposed to paparazzi and, and whatnot. But on the field, awkward fit off of it in the locker room. I think it's a disaster. I mean, he he would he get real odd with the Green Bay media, the Jets media. I mean, the Jets media is, there's many reasons, but probably the biggest reason, Zach Wilson lost his job. Like, they pressed him. You take ownership for, for how you played against the New England Patriots? One answer by Zach Wilson got it benched. One word got him benched. No. They pushed him on that, and as, as a result, because of the public backlash in New York and elsewhere, he got benched for Mike White. And it was never the same after that uh, for Zach Wilson. That's why he's not going to be a Jet next season. I just, listen, I don't regularly tune in to post-game press. I watch them, but I usually don't. I rarely watch them live. Oh, listen, I'm going to have to tune in to ESPN and the NFL Network and whoever's doing uh, a live feed of these press conferences because it will be fun. <laughs> okay, I, I got to see this. But, uh, man, it's, 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 it's awful. Uh, Patrick Brown, he says, I'm sure your sister is ready for Aaron to go away. Packers fans will be on the edge to see if he'll return. The initial thought was, <laughs> was Bane from the Dark Knight Rises. Well, honestly, I, I can't tell you one way or the other how she feels about it. She, she loves Aaron. She's, she's been, I mean, obviously the Packers have had a lot of success with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but there's also her, like a lot of Packers fans, a little bit of, God, it's one thing after another after another. And so, yeah, there's the frustration there. She she likes Jordan Love more than I do. I think the kid has talent, but I'm skeptical. But yeah, a lot of Packers fans feel that way. He also says Aaron will come back, force Green Bay to beg him. <laughs> wow, $60 million for this upcoming season. I don't think so. I, I disagree. This is the first time that I think, I mean, you're hearing a lot of reports from Schefter and from other insiders saying 
Yeah, Packers are talking to teams. Like, the Packers are ready. We didn't hear that the last couple of years. It was, we'll talk with Aaron. We'll talk after the season, after he does. Last year was ayahuasca. This year, it's the darkness retreat. I don't even remember what it was in 2021. Whatever it, you know, I, I think he was, like, vacationing in, uh, was it Hawaii or somewhere? Whatever, whatever the case may be. It was, we'll talk to him. Now, Aaron's the one that seems to be pushing for these discussions, not the Packers. So there's a real change in in rhetoric from both sides uh, in terms of how they're going to handle this moving forward in the future. But it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I I think I'm fairly confident, and I've I know I've said this before, but this year I'm sure of it. Aaron Rodgers has played his last game as a Packer. Like I I I, I don't see a scenario in which the two move uh, you know move forward for this upcoming season. I mean, can't he's listen? If it is about money, Patrick, listen. If 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 the Packers could be like the the, I wouldn't say they're dumb, but the sort of the old saying, "I'm dumb, I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid." Again, I don't think the Packers were dumb giving him that money, but it, it you know, there's no way he's going to trick them to giving him sixty because now they're like, "Hey, we've seen a little bit of Jordan Love. He's all right, and with you, we couldn't even get to the playoffs. Aaron would have more leverage if it was about the money." If they made another run, got to the NFC Championship game, certainly if they'd have gotten to the Super Bowl, now they're like, bro, you went nine and eight. You had probably your worst season as a pro. But, and he says, uh, Lil Wayne, shout out to Wheezy, who's the biggest Packers fan, said they should move. Yeah, even he said they should move on from Aaron. Even he's seen enough uh, from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, listen, listen, Wayne is is a very loyal Packers fan. So for him to say that was was very telling. Because he's been an Aaron Rodgers fan, like a lot of a lot of Packers Nation has been for a long time. I will say this: uh, once once the bridge is officially burned and in the water, as as Grady dubbed it, Cheesehead Ozzy will make his return. He, he in a month, two months, whenever Cheesehead Ozzy will will return. Just stay tuned for that. All right, I've been looking forward to this ever since I did this segment a month ago, which is every NFL team has a weakness. Even playoff teams, even the best playoff teams, your one seeds have weaknesses that other teams can't exploit. And since the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl, they're off the list. So whatever weaknesses they had, Forget about it. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. They have the Lombardi Trophy. The other 31 teams don't. And the other 13 playoff teams don't. So if we can get the background music rolling uh, right now, that'd be great to uh, hang on. I think we got it here. Okay, here we go. So let's that I got correct in terms of this is the biggest reason why this team got eliminated. So we're going to start in the AFC since there's only six teams here. We took the Chiefs out because they won the Super Bowl. We'll start with the Miami Dolphins. Okay, the Dolphins, what was their biggest weakness? Major limitations at quarterback. I think it is more than fair to say that that was the case. And it wasn't even necessarily their fault. It was Skylar Thompson. He's a rookie, seventh-round pick. He was the third stringer as the season began. He did all he could against the Buffalo Bills. Mason throws here and there, but in a game that Buffalo was just 
begging the Miami Dolphins to win. That, that was probably the most unimpressive playoff win of the entire postseason by the Bills. Barely, barely surviving the Dolphins, the 7 seed Dolphins, at home after holding a 17 to nothing lead. But Skylar Thompson, completion percentage was under 50%. He turned the ball over. And again, I'm not even blaming the kid. He was a seventh-round pick. Rookie. I, you know, it's... But the reality is the Dolphins were extremely limited at quarterback, which is concerning considering all the weapons that they have. Tyree Kill, Mike Gusecki, uh, you know, Cedric Wilson came in, did some good things, things for him. Jalen Waddell. Mike McDaniel proved to have a solid year as an offensive uh, head coach his first year. So, But it, it just didn't work. For the Baltimore Ravens was the biggest reason. This, uh, by the way, I'll give myself a point there. So one point, one for one on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, their biggest weakness, why they got eliminated. For the Baltimore Ravens, their biggest weakness... They can't function offensively without Lamar. I think it's more than fair to say that that was accurate. I mean, they only scored 17 points against, albeit a, a very good uh, Cincinnati Bengals off, uh, defense. They obviously, the biggest play of that game, maybe the most iconic play of these playoffs, if you really think about it, was the goal line fumble on the quarterback sneak. Tyler Huntley, Sam Hubbard catches the fumble, runs 99 yards to the house, and that was the difference of the game. But uh, they were discombobulated. Clock management was bad. Maybe that falls more in John Harbaugh, certainly, than it does the offense. Uh, but they were incredibly one-dimensional. Again, they they never they never got to over 20 points once Lamar Jackson went down. I'm pretty sure I've got that stat right. Uh, but the Ravens have they, they were averaging like in the teens when Lamar went down. Uh, they they couldn't move the ball. So I'm I'm going to give myself two points there because that was the biggest reason. Because the defense did all they could. They held the Bengals' offense to 17 points. The problem was the offense gave the Bengals an extra seven points, which got the score to 24 to 17. Uh, but the Ravens' defense would played outstanding, probably the best defense of the league over the second half of the season. They, you know, they can't play perfect. You know, you can have the the 2001 Ravens out there, which or the 2000 Ravens out there, which to me is the greatest defense of all time. But you got to got to put points on the board, and the Ravens simply couldn't do that. Probably the most accurate. Uh, 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 prediction or accurate, most second accurate weakness I had on here. Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> Two words. Brandon Staley. I, if if you believe that there was another issue, or a bigger issue rather, with the Chargers losing that game after being up 27-zip on the Jacksonville Jaguars, then we watched a different game. I, I don't know what you were looking at. Halftime adjustments. Awful. Again, as I said this season, they were bottom 10 in the whole NFL. They were a playoff team. Double-digit win team with Justin Herbert and all those weapons and a talented defense. The LA Chargers were bottom 10 in both scoring half, second half scoring and second half points given up. That points back to coaching because it points back to adjustments. What adjustments are you going to make over the course of the game? The other side has seen your game plan. They've seen what you've done. They saw your opening drive. Doug Peterson, veteran coach, has a Super Bowl ring with the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, was up for coach of the year. He understood that. He adjusted. And that was all she wrote. The Chargers couldn't get anything going outside of one drive in the second half. They didn't. Again, you're up 27-0, 27-7 at the half. You've got Austin Eckler. You've got an offensive line that came on despite missing Rashawn Slater. It came on fairly well at the end of the, sec uh, at the second half of the season. Why is Justin Herbert throwing deep balls? Why are they getting past... Again, I'm not saying run the ball every play because you do have Justin Herbert. you got to air it out a little bit. But short passing plays. Again, penalties cost them. That points back to coaching because of, uh, of lack of discipline. Again, I'm three for three here because... <laughs> 
If you watched that Chargers loss to Jacksonville and looked at anybody else except for Brandon Staley as the biggest reason they lost, I can't help you. I, I really can't. Jacksonville Jaguars, the team that beat the Chargers. What was the biggest reason they were eliminated from the playoffs or the biggest reason I thought they'd be eliminated before the playoffs started? They struggle in close games due to youth and inexperience, and they lost by seven to the Kansas City Chiefs. You're like, well, they got that late field goal to make it a one-score game. That's not what I'm focused on. The biggest play of that game. Remember, it was within, I think it was within 10 points, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was within 10 points, about five minutes left. Chart or Jags were putting together a really good drive. Hey, Mahomes is playing on one leg. You got a chance to put, really put some pressure on him. Trevor Lawrence throws a pass to uh, Jamal Agnew and he fumbles inside the five-yard line. And that's that's pretty much all she wrote. Trevor also threw a late-game pick uh, on the drive after. Like, it's it's a young team. They made incredible strides this year. I got nothing bad to say about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, but young teams tend to struggle in the playoffs, and the Jags were one of the youngest teams in all football. So for them to get to the divisional round was a great accomplishment for them, and I expect them to improve on that in 2023. But struggles uh, in close games due to youth and experience. Inexperience was my biggest weakness for them. That's that that was the case against the Chiefs. They weren't able to take advantage of an injured Patrick Mahomes. I am thus far four for four for the Cincinnati Bengals. If they can't generate pressure, their secondary is toast. Well, what do you know in the AFC championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs? And some of this we should give credit to the Chiefs offensive line. We should. They sacked Patrick Mahomes three times. They were unable to generate pressure again on a one-legged quarterback. They were unable to get to him, make him uncomfortable on what happened. He was able to make big-time throws to the pocket. Of course, at the end of the game, he makes an incredible run out of bounds. A 15-yard late hit out of bounds penalty puts him into field goal range, and Harrison Butker walks it off. The Bengals could not get pressure on Kansas City. I'm going to give myself a point there because that's what happened. They could not stop the Chiefs' offense, particularly on those last couple of drives of the second half. Although... Let's not take any of the blame from Joe Burrow because he didn't play all that well despite not dealing with a ton of pressure outside that last drive in the second half. But I'm going to give myself the point because they could not get to Patrick Mahomes consistently when it mattered most, particularly on third down. So I'm 5 for 5 here for the Buffalo Bills. Last team we'll talk about in the AFC because the team that won the AFC won the Super Bowl, the Chiefs, for the Buffalo Bills, way too Josh Allen reliant. Way too Josh Allen reliant. This was a problem I talked about them all season long. They could not run the football to save their lives. Josh Allen accounted for most of their offensive production, including in the running game all season long. Uh, Their opening game plan was confusing. On both sides of the ball, I love Leslie Frazier. He's an excellent defensive coordinator. His game plan at playing a, a deep zone was baffling to me, considering you know Cincinnati's missing multiple offensive linemen. But for the Bills' offense, they couldn't protect Josh Allen. They couldn't protect, uh, or they couldn't generate a run game. And also, and this this came back uh, to bite him at times in the Dolphins game the week before. Why are they trying these shots down the field up three scores? You got them. They're not going to beat you at home. They don't again. How many games this year for the Buffalo Bills would they have not ran for over 100 yards if it weren't for their quarterback? And this isn't to put, take any blame from Josh Allen because he did not play well the second half of the season. But some of that is, while he's great, while he's talented, he's not Joe Burrow and he's not Patrick Mahomes. He cannot carry you to where you want to be. He can't carry you to the promised land. Uh, and that's, I think the tape bears that out. And I think his results over the last half of the season. 
bear that out. Bills way to Josh Allen. Rely, I will give myself a point there. For the Seattle Seahawks, we'll, tri- uh, we'll shift over to the NFC. The Seahawks' biggest weakness that I thought would get them beat. Oof. Run defense is terrible. And it was bad. Now, some of that was who they played at the San Francisco 49ers. But you're not, I'm sorry, you're not going to win a whole lot of playoff games giving up 181 rushing yards in the in the postseason. And the Seahawks, I believe, are the 30th ranked run defense in the regular season. So there was no reason to believe that that wasn't going to translate to the postseason. Look, Geno had a great year. One comeback player of the year, deservedly so. Uh, I believe the Seahawks are going to get a contract done with him this offseason. He's going to get his bag. Good for him. He deserves it. Uh, this is an offense that took big leap from last year when they had Russell Wilson. Now with Geno Smith, DK Metcalf got going. Um, Kenneth Walker had a big year run the football. I thought they had some really good players uh, in the secondary, particularly Quandre Diggs. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league on the defensive side. Uh, but they couldn't stop the run. And when you can't get off the field, you have these long drives. If you're, especially if your offense can't generate anything, the defense is on the field for most of the game, sixty percent of the game, and they just get worn down. And when it rains, it pours in that regard. And the Seahawks just couldn't stop with the run uh, when it was all said and done. So I'm six for six thus far. I'm, I'm, I'm Michael Jordan this far. Let's move on to the New York Giants. The biggest weakness for them, I thought, going in the playoffs, is that what got them beat? Well, let's see. Limited at quarterback and wide receiver. Yeah, that uh, that was pretty accurate. If you look, if you watch that game, the I'm sorry, the Giants could not separate. Their leading receiver, Richie James, had 51 yards receiving. Daniel Jones was horrible against the Philadelphia Eagles, and it's an Eagles defense that we saw in the passing game. By the way, I'll get to Eagles' weakness later on, but in the passing game, man, Holmes torched them. And Kelsey wasn't the impact that we thought he would be in the Super Bowl. Daniel Jones, after carving up, to use the name of this show, the Minnesota Vikings, who were the worst pass defense in football. Man. 100, was 135 yards and a pick with no touchdowns against the Philadelphia Eagles. Not to mention a QBR 0 to 100 of 11. A pass rating of 54. Yeah, that's not going to cut it. Now, again, some of that's not just on Daniel Jones. Some of that's on a receiving core that is one of the worst in the NFL. They have got to upgrade at that position. Like, they they don't have a one. I'm not so sure they have a two. They've got some okay guys over there. I think Sterling Shepard's good when he's healthy, but he's getting up there in age. As is Saquon Barkley, by the way, in the running game, uh, the Giants have some upgrades to make at quarterback. I don't think they should re-sign Daniel Jones. Again, this was his breakout year, and he had, what, 14 touchdown passes? A lot of that, he was a product of Brian Davis. So that was the Giants' weakness. I'm severed for seven, y'all. Move on to the Dallas Cowboys. Offensive line is awful, and weapons are below average. I'm going to give myself a half point there. Because of the second half of the season, and in the playoffs especially, I thought the offensive line played very well. Tyler Smith, the rookie, was great. The progression he made from week one to the division around the playoffs was outstanding. They gave Dak plenty of time. And when he wasn't making uh, uh, bad decisions on the interceptions, the two that he threw against the 49ers, uh, the second one to me was 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 worse than the first. The first one was a little bit on Michael Gallup, uh, some on Dak. But part of the reason the Cowboys couldn't generate offense in the second half, CeeDee Lamb's all Dak could rely on to separate. 
Michael Gallup couldn't get open. Outside of one play, T.Y. Hilton couldn't get open. Dalton Schultz, as I've said all season long, is the most overrated tight end in the NFL. He's fine for these little security blanket, these these little five-yard completions. He's not a down-the-field threat like most of the great tight ends in the NFL are. So, but the Cowboys' lack of production offensively, a lot of it falls on Dak. A lot of it falls on the receiving core. None of it in the playoffs fell on the offensive line. I thought they did a good job. They faced the Bucks' defensive line, which is good. And they faced the Niners' defensive line, which is outstanding. And they did a good job against both. So I'll give myself a half point there. It's right about the receivers, wrong about the offensive line. Moving on to the team Dallas beat to get to the division round, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are now without a quarterback. What was their biggest weakness? Offense is a complete roller coaster, and that is exactly correct because in this game against Dallas, uh, their, their last full game for the first-team offense against the Carolina Panthers, they put up 31. And in this game against Dallas, they put up 14. Tom Brady threw the ball. Let me make sure I'm getting this right. 66 times. The numbers look good. 351 yards, two touchdowns. But they could not generate. The running game we knew all, all season long was horrible, among one of the worst in the NFL. But... When receivers weren't separating, Tom was was dirtying the ball. He wasn't that accurate in this game against the Cowboys. Uh, that ta- Tampa was mostly down, but they they went in the incline against the Carolina Panthers, who were a very good defense. We're like, hey, Tampa Bay might be back. They had a solid outing, albeit the first team didn't play much against the Atlanta Falcons. They put together some solid drives against Dallas, and maybe we should give credit to the Dallas defense, but they could do nothing offensively. They, they had a, a couple of garbage time drives uh, in the second half that made the score look slightly more respectable, so I'll definitely give myself a point for the Bucks. For the Minnesota Vikings, what was my biggest weakness for them coming to the playoffs? Has to win close, otherwise they get bullied. Yeah, that was, <clears throat> excuse me, that was incorrect. Because, I'm not no, no points, that's the first one, I'm giving myself no points. They were 11-0 in the regular season of one-score games. Only one game all season long, and it was all the way back in week one. Did they win by more than one score? That was against the Green Bay Packers, 23-7. All of their losses, every single one, came by two or more scores. And so I'm like, okay, if they lose, they're going to lose bad. Like, it's this game's going to be over at halftime. If they win, it's going to be a down-to-the-wire finish. Well, it was a down-to-the-wire finish against the New York Giants, and Kirk Cousins threw a three-yard pass on fourth down and eight with the season on the line. So I was wrong on that one. I probably should have put for Minnesota their pass defense, but I didn't, so no points there for the Vikings. Last two, San Francisco 49ers, their biggest weakness. No rookie quarterback has ever led a team to the Super Bowl. reason I said that is because, A, it's true, and B, I didn't see a weakness with the 49ers. I didn't see Brock Purdy as a weakness. He was excellent. In the games, he started in the regular season and in the playoffs. He was amazing against the Seahawks, played fairly well against the Cowboys, but unfortunately against the Eagles, he tore his UCL in, in, in the first quarter, and he's going to need Tommy John surgery. But the fact remains true to this day. No rookie quarterback has ever, in the 57 years of the Super Bowl, led his team there. So, fact remains, give myself a point there. And finally, for the team that lost the Super Bowl, cry, Eagles cry, the Philadelphia Eagles Man, was I accurate on this one. I was right on the money, and I should have trusted myself when I predicted the Super Bowl. I picked the Chiefs, but I should have taken this into account when I picked the Chiefs. What was my weakness for the Eagles? Can't stop the run and lack of trust at head coach. Point for both. Not saying two points, but a point for both points. A point, a point for both for both of the weaknesses. As far as the head coach part, a lot of people give Nick Sir- Sirianni his, his fair share of 
after the game. Listen, he had a solid year. Nick Sirianni did a good job. But up double digits, you've got, again, go back to Brandon Staley. He's not near as bad as Brandon Staley. But you've got to make halftime adjustments. And the Eagles didn't do that. They stuck to what got him there. And it got the game tied, but Philadelphia is a team that tends to kind of, when they got you, oh, they got you. They beat you down until you flat out quit in some instances, which happened quite frequently in the regular season. They couldn't do that against Kansas City, against some of the credit goes to the Chiefs in that regard. Uh, but uh, Nick Sirianni certainly deserves blame there. But mostly, can't stop the run. This is a Chiefs offense that against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game ran for 34 yards. Against the Philadelphia Eagles, they ran for 158. Isaiah Pacheco had 76. Patrick Mahomes on one leg had 44. McKinnon had 34 on eight yards of carry. I mean, that's they, they, they couldn't stop it. Like, that was from the get-go. I'm like, wow, Kansas City's really running the ball, with, particularly with Pacheco, but McKinnon had a couple runs there as well. Mahomes had some scrambles. That killed Philadelphia in the long run. Uh, and, and so that was... Uh, that was their biggest weakness to me going to the playoffs, and that is absolutely the biggest reason why they got beat in this year's Super Bowl. So, so what do we have? So I went I went six for six in the AFC, uh, and in the NFC, I gave myself a half point for Dallas and no points for Minnesota. So that's thirteen teams. So eleven point five points out of thirteen, I will take that any day of the week. I think last year I got like eight. I'll take it this go-round. I'll take it. So 11 and a half, I'll try to improve on that. Try to go perfect 13 for 13 uh, next year once the playoffs roll around. But this is the second time I've done playoff weaknesses. And uh, this year was certainly better than the last. So hope to get better. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And very important, please go subscribe to The Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, The Grid Podcast Network on YouTube, which is where you can find my show, as well as two guys you saw in the comments. Patrick Brown, the Chaotic Sports Podcast. He's got some new content coming soon. You'll definitely want to check that out. Uh, Barry Grant Jr., the All Even Podcast. He was on the show last week, as well as many other of my teammates at The Grid. All Even Podcast. Check his show out on The Grid. Ryan Flowers had him on a Monday after the Super Bowl. Clutch Sports Talk. He's got a great video out now, some film breakdown. He's a, He does a fantastic job. Please go check that out on The Grid and on his personal YouTube channel. Uh, Alfred Parsar Jr. with the Rocket Fuel Jets podcast. He's got some content that's been coming out over the last week or so. The Cowboys Cam Fan podcast. Check their stuff out as well. They they did a, a fun stream during during Super Bowl 57 in which they were obviously very happy, like all of Cowboys Nation, all of Giants Nation, all of Commanders Nation, and every nation outside of Eagles Nation, I think was was very happy to see the Eagles fall in the Super Bowl. At least I would hope so. But uh, yeah, they got some good stuff too. Check their stuff out. So the Grid Network, that is also where you can listen to all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast listen the nfl season's over but march madness is on the horizon uh we got the nfl i'm sorry the nba all-star game this weekend i'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow i'll talk a little eric the enemy tomorrow the very uh curious situation going on in kansas city uh with him that is just mind-boggling but then again 
We talk about how the hiring process works in the NFL, probably not all all that surprising. Talk about that and a wide range of other topics topics on tomorrow's show. So have a great evening, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical and your mental health. God bless you all. He's out. 9.5 out of 13, that's not bad. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.